Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today we continue our look at the Book of Enoch with Michael Heiser, and we get a sneak peek at next year's conferences. Have you downloaded our ministry app? You can download our Southwest Radio Ministry app on your smartphone or tablet. With the app, you can listen to the daily program and read the latest articles by our Bible teachers. Download the SWRC app today. Just search SWRC and download the app on your Android or Apple device. Our host, Pastor Larry Spargimino, welcomes author Michael Heiser back to the program to continue their discussion about the Book of Enoch and how this ancient text supports and affirms Scripture. Friends, we are back with Dr. Mike Heiser. We've been discussing the book of Enoch and how it helps us to understand the background of the New Testament authors. How did the book of Enoch influence the worldview of the authors of the New Testament? At the very end of the last program, we were speaking about the gates of hell will not prevail, not overcome the church. And we said that Jesus had a very positive statement there. We're going to continue with that thought today, but I want to welcome Dr. Michael Heiser with us once again. Mike, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk about Matthew 16, 18, and the tremendous promise of Jesus and the shadow of Mount Hermon. Share with our listeners. This is fantastic information that really tells us what's happening. Yeah, I think sometimes as believers, we need a wake-up call that God is still in the business of taking evil and turning it on its head and producing amazing things out of it. So I was really moved by what I'm going to describe yesterday, and I'm not going to use the person's name, but I got a letter yesterday from an original member of the Charles Manson family who has been serving a life sentence in prison since the 70s. It was just a letter of encouragement to me because my own situation was cancer. But the guy let me know, look, you know, I came to the Lord after winding up with a life sentence in prison, and I've read Reversing Hermon several times. I've read Unseen Realm. I've read mm. all these different books that I've produced. And, right. and it's like, can you believe? Mm. You talk about the abyss of evil in our own culture. You know, Charles Manson and, and his family and the extreme notoriousness of what they did. And here's one of them who has a ministry to other people in jail. And he's reading my stuff and being blessed and just wanted me to know. <laughs> wow. That is so exciting because what you write, it's not like your typical evangelistic, go get him soul winning message kind of thing. Yeah, but God is working, using his word. So is it correct to say that you have a very, very positive outlook because of what you have been learning about Mount Hermon, about the Watchers, about First Enoch 6. Would that be a correct assessment? Yeah, because this sort of started out with the book Reversing Hermon, which is very deliberately entitled. What happens in Genesis 6, again, in the book of Enoch's telling of the story, the sons of God who are going to transgress the boundaries of heaven and earth through their cohabitation with women. This plot is launched at Mount Hermon, which was the seat of the gods, the rebel gods in the Old Testament. And so the story of Jesus in both the Gospels and the Epistles, all the way through the book of Revelation, there are very, very clear indications that part of the ministry of Christ gets forgotten, that, that it was designed to reverse the proliferation of depravity that extended from Genesis 6. 
And so that book got into that, but now these two commentaries on Enoch gives you more of the details, because Enoch is, you know, sort of the most famous example of books written a few hundred years before the New Testament times. The New Testament writers were using, reading, and thinking about it, because again, they're looking at whoever wrote this book believed that the Old Testament was the Word of God, and he's trying to get us to think about how to connect different passages together, how to right. interpret Genesis 6. What's the relationship of Genesis 6-5, human corruption, to the first four verses with the, you know, the sons of God and the Nephilim and all this stuff? Well, Enoch is sort of the go-to text for that in the years before Jesus. And in the New Testament, their exposure to Enoch and the way that book handles these sorts of questions is very apparent. Right. And that's why I did the commentaries, and of course why I wrote Reversing Hermon, too. Right. The Book of Enoch and then the two-volume set companion to the Book of Enoch, they're really helpful. And, you know, a supernatural understanding of Genesis 6 is the correct one, because this is backed up by the antecedent views as found in First Enoch and also the context the context is one of great spiritual rebellion and ongoing war against God. I mean, God had told Eve, in effect, that her offspring would be locked in conflict with those of the serpent, Genesis 3.15. So Enoch's presentation gives us the coordinates, and they're spiritual. Yeah. For those who this might be new to, I'm going to say something that sounds a little audacious, but I'm serious about it. If you take a non-supernatural view of Genesis 6, 1-4, not only are you interpreting it out of context in terms of its original context, yes. but you're forced to disagree with Peter and Jude. Mm. You're forced to say that they were wrong, because if you look at Second Peter 2, we have the angels that sinned, and there is no other candidate other than Genesis. Right. And people think, oh, what about the third of the angels that rebelled with Satan? Guess what? There's no passage in the Bible that says that. Literally none. It doesn't exist. So the only reference point is Genesis 6. And further, it has the angels that sin being kept in chains of gloomy darkness. You don't find it being imprisoned in the pit back in Genesis 6. You know where you do find that line? Hmm. The book of Enoch. Right, yeah. So it's very clear that Peter and Jude after him are familiar with this book, and they embrace the understanding of Genesis 6 that is in the book of Enoch. And so that's why I think people should just read it. It doesn't have to be canonical to be useful. Okay, we don't have to worry about whether it belongs in in the Bible or not. That's an irrelevant question. What's relevant is that the New Testament writers were familiar with it, and they were not afraid to dip into it and use it for clarity in their own material. You're right on target. I agree 100%. And I noticed that Enoch is a translation by R.H. Charles, and it's published by the Society for the Promoting of Christian Knowledge. Now, London 1917 is the date of publication. Why the interest in Enoch more than 100 years ago? What was going on back then? I think that is part of the question, because Enoch as a whole, as a book, is actually an apocalypse. Now, the book of Revelation, if you looked at it in Greek, the title of the book is is the Apocalypse of John. So Enoch is the same kind of literature, what's going to happen at the end of days. And for sure, on a popular level, there's going to be interest in a book like Enoch at that time. There would be less access to it, because typically... You know, the only people who are really getting into Enoch at any meaningful level are the scholars. Charles is the leading scholar of his day for Enoch studies. 
and I use it because his translation is public domain. It was the translation to use until very recently. Right. But by that point, Enoch had been collected in other manuscript forms, other languages and whatnot. So I do think that that's part of what the impetus is. I mean, right. it's put into English eventually, you know, before the late 19th century. People could read it if you were sort of the literate class and you would run into Enoch and so on and so forth. But the times, just like today, when there's so much upheaval in the world, people's minds, you know, will gravitate to, well, what, how's this going to work out? You know, does the Bible say anything about this? And if you read Revelation and you read lots of sections of Enoch, they're going to sound a lot alike. It's not just the Genesis 6 stuff. Enoch is an apocalyptic work about the end of days. Well, Enoch chapter 7 says that these watchers took wives and they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. So was the defilement sexual relations or was there some other defilement? And the reason I asked that question, because it says, and taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots. Now, what's going on here? There is a lot more to it. I mean, we tend to fixate on the sexual language, you know, right. because Let's just be honest, giants are cool, or at least we think they are. <laughs> right. And if we had this problem now, we wouldn't think that. But that's what draws most attention. But if you actually look at Enoch, they're equally, and I would say even more, concerned about other things. The charms and enchantments, cutting of roots. The ultimate reference here is to drugs that produce altered states, mm. that, that create spiritual experiences that open you know, the human mind and heart to the other side. That was a big deal. You're also going to have references to astrology here. In First Enoch 8, the emphasis is the fallen angels or the watchers right. to make swords, knives, and shields. Well, it's not, the point is that nobody's ever seen a knife before. But the point is that we're using these things as weapons of warfare for self-destruction. So it's the corruption of humanity through self-destructive behavior, whether it's sexual whether it's drug-induced, whether it's astrology or other forms of idolatry. I mean, you get the whole list in First Enoch, these early chapters. Let me just throw this out to your listeners. Why do you suspect, if you're reading in the New Testament the books of First Peter and Second Peter, you're going to run into the question, the issue, the problem of false teaching and false teachers? Why is it that when false teachers come up, Peter and Jude feel somehow compelled talk about the fallen watchers of Genesis 6. It's because there's a connection between false teaching and human self-destruction that results from Mm. false teaching. Wow. And this rebellion, they understood that from reading Enoch. And again, you're not going to get this kind of information specifically from Genesis in your Old Testament, but you will get it from the book of Enoch. My commentary is to try to help you as a reader of Enoch understand, well, how the writer of this, where does he land in relationship to other passages in the Old Testament that would allow him to interpret Genesis 6 this way? So that's why I wanted to write the commentary to help people get into the book and see what the author was really trying to do, right. because he's trying to interpret the Word of God for right. you. Right. That's what the author of First Enoch's doing. You know, when I first spoke to you several years ago, I'm on board, and I noticed this passage says that these 200 watchers swore by mutual imprecations or curses. So they're saying, may we be cursed with some great misfortune if we break our vow? Yeah, imprecations always have that sort of feel, this sort of dark side of covenantal language, if we break this covenant, this promise. 
then we're responsible. Right. We're responsible to each other to keep our vow and our promise. And if one of us chickens out, then we deserve what's going to happen to us. Right. Well, in Deuteronomy 3, I believe it's 1 through 11, we read of the demise of Og. Og was king or lord of Bashan, and that's the region that includes Mount Hermon. Now, would it be correct to say that in the view of the biblical writers, Israel was at war and perhaps is at war today because of a conflict that has been spawned by divine beings? I think at its very root, you have spiritual warfare in connection with the Holy Land. Wow. Uh, In that passage in Deuteronomy 3, you have uh, mention made not only of Og and Bashan, but you also have mention made of Edrai in uh, Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 3.1. And earlier in Deuteronomy, along with Edrai, Ashtaroth is also named. Well, in Canaanite literature, we're talking pagan Canaanite literature, specifically Ugaritic material, Ashtaroth and Edrai are specifically named as being gateways to the realm of the dead. This is the bad place in the Transjordan. These are gateways to hell. This whole gates of hell thing has actually an Old Testament context to it. Ultimately, this is why there's this conflict between Michael and the devil over the body of Moses, because mm. Moses gets buried in this same you know, area, in the Transjordan. There's a whole history of that that I go into in reversing Hermon as to why we have this conflict between Michael and Satan in the book of Jude. But it's unholy ground versus holy ground. Right. It's spiritual authorities that want death to those who follow Yahweh and Yahweh's offer of everlasting life to those who follow him on the other side. So at the heart of it, we're dealing with spiritual warfare. Right. It's a spiritual conflict. You know, it's interesting to look at some of the so-called, quote, primitive cultures, and I put those words in quotes, that it seems that these cultures are more open to the concept of spiritual warfare, the reality of the forces of the unseen realm. There's a story that I heard recently that I think is quite true. Some of the Christians in India actually complained that Western missionaries were having a secularizing influence. Can you imagine on the people of India? And I can understand that. I think many evangelicals today only believe part of the Bible, the gospel and so forth. That's good. But they forget the other dimension. There's a vast dimension of spiritual beings. And I can see why that individual said, yeah, Western missionaries are having a secularizing influence on us. So maybe develop that thought. It's interesting that you bring that up because last night I had a student Q&A. Despite my cancer, you know, I'm still interacting with students because they have questions. And we actually got into this because it was a pretty diverse group and the guy helping me out is Chinese. He's head of the Divine Council Worldview Facebook group, which is the Facebook group that I endorse for this kind of content. But I said, look at the issue you've got here. Within evangelicalism today, you have a large number of not just scholars, but ordinary people in the pew that are selectively supernatural. They don't want to affirm this stuff they think is weird, and they don't realize that ideas like the deity of Christ You know, in the Incarnation, well, that's pretty weird, too. There's nothing scientific about it. So there's a dichotomy there, but we actually got into missions. When I made this comment, I said, I have heard too many stories about missionaries. This is the late 19th century onward, okay, 19th century onward, even today, that their first step in their ministry is to westernize people. 
Oh, now that you're westernized, <laughs> now we can talk to you about the gospel. Look, it's not your job to make people in other countries western. Amen. Your job is to communicate what Scripture says, and what Scripture affirms is a supernatural worldview. Amen. So don't infect the population with Western, well-meaning, evangelical skepticism. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's exactly it. (laughs) How does that help? Because somebody is going to wake up on the other side there and go, hey, you know what, this Trinity thing, this deity of Christ thing, the whole concept of salvation, like you could nail a guy to a cross and somehow that... That's going to reverse the entropy of the cosmos. That's not scientific either. You can't test that. You can't apply the rules of science to that. It's not rational in terms of a scientific worldview. Nothing we believe, all the main doctrines of the faith, none of them conform to an enlightenment, rationalistic, skeptical, scientific worldview. Zero. So let's stop singling out (laughs) episodes that we don't like, like Genesis 6, and then try to pretend that we affirm the supernatural. We're not. We're going to get caught doing it by some enterprising atheist at some point, and then the church is going to be harmed. Amen. Well, there are so many areas we could follow through. I'm just thinking of the different names for the giants, the Nephilim, the Zamzumim, the Rephaim, the Anakim. And then as I read about the idols in the Old Testament and in the Psalms, it seems to me that the idols are really not wood and stone. There's a demonic essence or presence that is associated with them. So we've cut out a large segment of the biblical worldview and imposed our Western secularizing worldview on the Bible, which is absolutely wrong. <laughs> and this just isn't opinion either. If you think that to an ancient Near Eastern person, an idol was just a block of wood or stone, and that there wasn't a spiritual reality behind it. You don't understand the ancient person, and you right. haven't read their material. Right. In Unseen Realm in one place, I reference a passage from Assyria where somebody's idol, somebody's quote-unquote God, gets destroyed in battle. Well, they don't think that this is terrible, our God is dead now. No, what they do is they just make another one. <laughs> and then they go through the ceremony of the opening of the mouth, which animates, invites a supernatural being to attach itself to the idol or indwell it. They believed in a supernatural reality behind the idols that they presented offerings to. It wasn't like Westerners. That is not what they're thinking, and their own texts prove it. Wow. Dr. Michael Heiser, what a blessing. Always a joy to chat with you, and this has been two tremendous programs. We want to remember Michael Heiser in prayer, and Mike, once again, I know you're not in the best of health, but thank you for being willing and putting such effort, concentration, zeal into what you shared with us. God bless you richly. Thank you. Get the complete two-day conversation with Michael Heiser on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144 or order the CD online, swrc.com. Today in our Resource Center, we have Michael Heiser's two-volume reader's commentary to the Book of Enoch, which sheds light and brings clarity to these ancient texts. Get both books by Michael Heiser and a hardback version of the Book of Enoch for a gift of $35 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order these resources online, swrc.com. 
James Collins joins Pastor Larry now as they look at the exciting conferences, virtual and in-person, that are planned for next year. Our ministry focus here at the Watchman on the Wall is to help you make sense of the nonsense. One of the ways that we do that is through our in-person conferences. We have several conferences on the calendar next year. God willing, we hope to meet many of our listeners. We encourage you to join us for one of our in-person Bible prophecy conferences. Our first conference for 2022 will be held on January the 28th and 29th at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Lakeland, Florida. Our next Bible Prophecy Conference will be held March 25th through the 26th, 2022 at Boone's Creek Bible Church in Tennessee. On April the 15th, 16th, and 17th, 2022, we will be at the Cross in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Next September 16th and 17th, we will be at Christ Church of Yukon, Oklahoma. From October the 27th through the 29th, 2022, we will be at the Embassy Suites by Hilton in Columbus, Ohio. Now these are only the events that we have confirmed. Our staff is working to book more Bible prophecy conferences all around the United States. If you missed any of these dates or would like more information on our conferences, you can call 1-800-652-1144 or you can find the information online at swrc.com. In addition to these outstanding in-person conferences, we will continue our series of virtual prophecy conferences which can be viewed on your computer or smart TV. Virtual Prophecy Conferences are being planned for February, May, and November of 2022. In addition to our Bible Prophecy Conferences, we want to tell you about our tours. God willing, James and I will be leading two exciting tours next year. First up is our Churches of Revelation Tour, April 26th through May the 4th, 2022. Join us on a nine-day Churches of Revelation Tour departing on April 26th. You'll journey with us to places such as Ephesus, Smyrna, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Istanbul, and much, much more. In addition, we will be traveling to the Holy Land via Jordan. This incredible tour will depart on October the 24th, 2022, and will end on November the 3rd, 2022. The Bible will come alive as you walk in the footsteps of Jesus. You will see such amazing places such as Galilee, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Petra, Jerusalem, Jericho, and many, many other biblical sites. For complete pricing details and to register for the tours, go to our website, swrc.com, and click on the Tours tab, or you can call 1-800-652-1144. We would also like to take a moment to update you on some of our latest resources. All of us here at Southwest Radio Ministries work very hard to make sure that you and all our listeners have access to quality Bible teaching resources. Over the last few months, we've worked to improve our online bookstore. If you have not been there for a while, I encourage you to check it out. At swrc.com, you will find over 800 products with more being added each and every day. We recently added new books and DVDs from Dr. Larry Spargimino, Noah Hutchings, Carl Ball, Dave Brees, Terry James, Billy Crone, Dennis Cuddy, Bob Cornuke, Michael Hoggard, Bill Federer, J.R. Church, Mac Dominic, Jonathan Kahn, Tom Horn, 
Mark Hitchcock, Larry Stamm, Michael Heiser, and many, many, many more of today's top Bible teachers. Go to swrc.com and click on the bookstore tab at the top of the page to shop our huge selection. Today, we want to take some time to spotlight a few of our current and classic resources. Let's start with a classic. After being out of print for over 30 years, Beacon Street Press has published a brand new edition of Romance of Romans. This revision of Romance of Romans still contains a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse exegesis that is astute and theologically minded. Hutch traces the theme of the gospel throughout the letter. This new edition was designed to inform and enlighten a new generation of Bible readers. In addition to Romance of Romans by Noah Hutchings, Beacon Street Press has just published a new edition of his classic book, God Divided the Nations. God Divided the Nations addresses how and why God divided the nations. Hutch starts in the beginning in Eden and the antediluvian world. Then he moves to a discussion of the Tower of Babel and the post-flood world. The book then goes on to describe the historic and prophetic with a discussion of the end-time alignment of nations. Did you know the racial turmoil that we're experiencing today was prophesied in the Bible? It's true, and Dr. Hutchings looks at those prophecies and so much more in this fascinating little book. One of our new books is by my co-host, James Collins. The book is called The Shepherd. The book goes through each verse of the 23rd Psalm and examines the special relationship the shepherd has with his sheep. James does a wonderful job of explaining the context and background of the psalm. Reading this book will help you rediscover the joy, inspiration, and peace of the 23rd Psalm. The host of The Watchman on the Wall, Dr. Larry Spargimino, has a brand new book just off the press, and it's been flying off the shelves. It's called Needless Death, COVID, Corruption, Control. In this timely and relevant book, Dr. Spargimino looks at the current COVID-19 crisis and reveals how there is a conspiracy to suppress the use of drugs that will actually cure those who are sick from the virus. Needless Death will challenge you to develop a sanctified skepticism against big government, big pharma, and organizations with globalist ties. We also want to tell you about our 2022 The Southwest Radio Church calendar. It has been produced and enjoyed by many thousands of our supporters for several decades. This year, we are focusing on the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament. The script for this calendar was written by James Collins, and it is based on his upcoming book, The Twelve. All proceeds from this calendar go to our Onesimus Prison Ministry. To find out more information about our conferences, tours, or books and DVDs, call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That number once again, 1-800-652-1144. Or check out the website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. We greatly appreciate your prayers and support. Thank you, and God bless you. Michael Heiser's two-volume reader's commentary to the book of Enoch sheds light and brings clarity to these ancient texts. Get both books by Michael Heiser and a hardback version of the book of Enoch for a gift of $35 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. Or order these resources anytime online, swrc.com. 
Author and Pastor Greg Patton will be here tomorrow. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.